0: It's the Auburn Observer Podcast. Justin Ferguson right here in Auburn, Alabama. Dan Peck, also checking in from Auburn, Alabama as well. How are we, Dan? Hello, Justin. Hello, Painter. And hello to the Peck Pack. So are we sticking with Peck Pack? We haven't figured out like what your title is. Is Padre Patriarch. The pope. Like, what are we going? The Pope of the pope. Peck Pack pope. is the...
1: Pope it up. <laughs> the Pope.
2: All right, it's it's the white smoke has has blown out of the chimney, and uh, and and the Pope of the Peck Pack is is ready to go. And that uh, I don't mean to offend whatsoever when I call myself the Pope of the Peck Pack. So I hope that's I hope I was want to want
0: cut that one off right now. Painter Sharpless back. Uh, he 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 missed our last podcast, uh, tending to some important uh, personal matters. All good things, all good things. Uh, but he's back on the ones and twos and uh, bringing his uh, dulcet tones. Back to the podcast. How are we, Painter? Parts Unknown doing well? Doing well. Doing very, very well. Not as hot in Parts Unknown, I know, as it is down here. Uh, no, Dan. No. Another Dan clue. I, another yeah.
2: context clue as to where Parts Unknown is.
0: Dan, I saw that uh, I believe Birmingham It's supposed to hit triple digits this week. Here, the uh, heat index is going to get really nasty. Um, hope everybody can stay, stay from, safe with that. I mean, we had... I think this year we had the we had more of a spring than normal. It felt springier uh, longer here, uh, but I think Fourth of July weekend we're about to we're we're about to really get it. And, and the folks who
2: have to work outside for much of their jobs, you oh, know, the d- d-
0: duty yeah. duty
2: requires them to be outdoors. Yeah, be safe and you know just want to extend my appreciation for folks working hard jobs out there. Right, I think I, we hear a lot of. And not that not that we shouldn't like first responders, folks in the in the military yeah. that, you know, thank you for your service, too. But I but I feel like that's almost like a thing. Right. That every, you yeah. know everybody, yeah, yeah. It's a that's a well-known thing. You think just just laborers out there, manual folks. labor yeah. in the heat. <laughs> yeah. I, Absolutely. I always when, when we when we have bad weather around here, uh, oh, Bill, Bill and I will mention how like the linemen, how we rely on like the folks the folks keeping the power and the internet and the phones the, working
0: yeah the amount of people that go into making our everyday lives as manageable and as like really in living in living in america and living in america in 2023 as easy as it possibly can be like the amount of people that go into that is insane and the amount of people that go into that who don't really get a ton of recognition uh, stands up. So yeah, I mean, any, any of y'all out there? I mean, if you make our lives easier by, by putting your uh, your your body out on the line in the heat, uh, man, uh, it, it helps it, it helps us tremendously, and we thank you for it because uh, some of us on this podcast have fake jobs. Uh, I, I, for one, uh, definitely have a fake job. So. I, I would I would not last very long in 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 the, in in such conditions.
2: Yeah, I've been on spring break since two thousand two, so <laughs> I mean it's you know I, I I certainly appreciate when when folks can uh, you know the, the 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 hard work that you see every day it's it's appreciated and, and yeah when when the heat is going to be as close to a hundred as as consistently as it might as it might be this summer uh, yeah just uh, it's something to think about.
0: We'll have another podcast between now and Fourth of July, maybe two actually. Now that I think about it, because uh, Fourth of July is on a Tuesday this year. So, I mean, we'll we'll we'll, we'll talk to you all y'all again about the importance of staying safe and, and all that good stuff. Staying hydrated, you know, keep, keeping yourself keeping yourself out of harm's way as much as possible. What
1: is your favorite beverage to consume? for hydration i was on a pedia kick for a long time i okay. had over the last year or two switched to liquid iv yeah. i don't know how well those work but i really like the lemon lime flavor
0: so i'll tell you this um i was sick last week uh pretty pretty rough um had a had a stomach bug and uh, in, in our family and i, and I talked about it a little bit on our last pod um but uh got really dehydrated really quickly and uh for the first time I tried it wasn't liquid iv but it was a, a kind it was like a, a variant of that like a like another brand and uh man that stuff that stuff really did wonders for me um so that's a... a, a I, I believe in it I believe in it now there it was a there was a fruit punch flavor of some kind that I was like not only does this taste good but I feel my I feel my life returning to my body so uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna shout I'm gonna shout those guys out see,
2: see I think most Commercial lemonades are entirely too sweet, so if I'm getting some, I want it really watered down or heavily iced up or something like that. But but a Milo's lemonade with with you know half Milo's half water or uh, or heavily you know lots of ice in there, yeah count count me in on a hot day with with something like that. Dan, you
1: seem like you'd be a Propel guy.
2: You know, Propel I I actually no I you know I do believe that the. Like the zero calorie sports drinks taste better than the full calorie ones, like because of the sweetness thing. Like I had a I had a regular Gatorade for the first time in a long time last week, yeah. yeah. And I was I was blown away by how by by how sweet those things are. They're giving
0: these to kids.
2: Yeah, no, I mean no, and it's and I mean I guess it's effective as far as replacing you know what you sweat out, but yeah, it's just a. you know, I I find the the more mild the zero sugar version of the sports drinks to be uh to, to to taste better.
0: Peach mango Body Armor Light, that's the that's the uh that's the go-to of the of the zero calorie ones for sure. Uh fellas, we have actual stuff to talk about uh today. The last few podcasts we've done, we've had some different themes and and guests and we'll we'll have some more of that moving forward, but uh we actually have some stuff to talk about and on Monday recording this on Monday night uh, on Monday the SEC unveiling the uh basketball opponents SEC uh men's basketball opponents for the 2023-2024 season i always like that the fact that um basketball does this and most of basketball scheduling period happens like right before like in the off season before the season like there's no like In this year you'll play, you know, so far off you'll play this. Like you may have some agreements and you kind of know certain permanent opponents and stuff like that. But for the most part, you're getting to learn the schedule right before the season starts, you know, preseason really gets underway. And I think that's a a cool way to go about it. I know why football doesn't do it that way. It's different sports. It's different agreements, whatnot. Uh, But uh, we know Auburn's – Opponents, we know the eighteen that they are going to be facing in SEC play uh, this year, and uh, I'll run through them real quick. But my first gut instinct from this is pretty manageable schedule. Um, I feel like Auburn uh, got a got a fairly good draw here. Uh, let's start with the permanent home and home opponents. This is the last year of this, by the way, when Texas and Oklahoma come into the league. Uh, the the format changes. SEC not going to twenty games when that happens. Unfortunately, I would have loved to see them go to twenty. Uh, but they're they're changing up the way they they do things there. I believe it's one permanent and maybe one rotating or something like that moving forward. But the three permanent opponent, opponents that Auburn always plays at home and on the road: uh, Alabama, Georgia, and Ole Miss. We knew that already coming in. Uh, a lot of Auburn fans pointing out uh, on uh, on Monday when this is released that yes, the the Flanagan's will be in Neville Arena uh, this season. We knew that already, but I think it kind of really sets itself up when you kind of see it out on a schedule. Uh so that will be a very very interesting. I, both legs of that will be very interesting, of course. And then the uh, the Alabama and Georgia um rivalry games. Um Auburn looking to get some revenge on Alabama after the sweep last year. They split with Georgia last season. Can they get back a, a back ahead of Georgia? It'll be interesting to see. They pick up two home and home, so these are two opponents they will play both in Auburn and on the road uh, and I think this draw is a very good one for Auburn as well uh, so of, of the opponents they have to play twice Mississippi State and Vanderbilt Mississippi State and Vanderbilt um State obviously you know catching fire towards the end of the season making a little run of the postseason very interesting what Chris Jans is going to do moving forward with that team Vanderbilt it, it's been an interesting offseason for Vanderbilt but you know what you're going to get out of Vandy uh more often than not uh with uh, you know Jerry Stackhouse in charge there. Um, for Auburn fans, I think this is good. You know, you get a home, a home and home, Starkville, not a far trip. Nashville, a fun trip for a lot of fans. A lot of Auburn fans made that trip last year. Um, so back in Nashville again, where Auburn usually has a really good crowd, and then over to Mississippi State, which again, I don't want to, I don't want to pick on Mississippi State. Um, as someone who likes going to Starkville, uh, from time to time, don't want to pick on Mississippi State, but. It's the worst arena situation in the SEC. Um, They usually have one of the weaker student sections, crowd environments. We'll see how much that changes this year. Cut State did do such a good job in Jans' first season uh, of getting some life back in that program. Tough team. They usually play really hard, and and it's a physical uh, bunch of guys for sure. But, um, you know, if you're you're having to draw a road opponent, I think you'd rather take State than some of the ones that you could have ended up with, especially – Opponents, you have to play twice. Uh, At home, Auburn will play only home games here. Kentucky, so no trip back to Rupp this year. Uh, LSU, South Carolina, and Texas A&M. Those are four that they went on the road to face last season. Those are back home. And then the only uh, – the opponents they only play on the road, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, and then Tennessee. So, Tennessee, uh, not a home-and-home this year, but they do go back to Knoxville, which is always – uh, a great environment there at uh, Thompson Bowling. They go back to Bud Walton uh, for Arkansas uh, after Auburn uh, got a really good win against Arkansas last season at home. Florida trying to get some revenge there. Missouri, remember the rock fight uh, from two seasons ago. Uh, so those are your road trips. But don't have to go to Rupp. Um, don't have to go to A&M, which I think is going to be important because uh, Auburn has had real struggles in College Station and then LSU in South Carolina. Uh, There, Um, those are a little bit farther out, you know, for sure. But um, if your road trips, Tennessee and Florida, a little closer uh, to get to, maybe closer to some Auburn fans, Arkansas, Missouri are always going to be big trips. So it did feel like this schedule, I think from a geographic and a a travel standpoint, I think it, you know, a little bit closer to home for Auburn in some of these games uh, that they could have gone farther off for. Uh, It balanced out pretty well. Um, you don't sit here and think that, oh wow, they've got you know, they got loaded up. You know, the the only road like go back to the only road opponents, Arkansas, Florida, Missouri, Tennessee. You'd expect Arkansas and Tennessee to be really, really good, but it's not like they got three or four juggernauts or four or four uh juggernauts. We'll we'll see with what, what Florida ends up being, we'll see what Missouri ends up being. But that's that's pretty manageable, especially for teams you only have to play once.
2: The dodged bullet would be that I think most folks are gonna have unless Roster's change considerably. I think most folks are going to have Arkansas, Tennessee, and A&M as three of their top four going into this season. Mm-hmm. And Auburn only plays all three of those teams once. Right? Yep. You could have drawn any of those teams as a home-and-home, and, home, and instead, granted, you have to go to Bud Walton, you have to go to Knoxville, but like you said, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt on paper – seem like more manageable opponents to play twice than yeah. some of the other options you had in the conference.
0: Kentucky, I mean, it's always tough to play at Rupp when they're good. Yeah. You don't have to play Kentucky on the road this year. That that should be helpful. Um, and, yeah, I mean, there there are some, some of those opponents that I, I'm just very curious to see kind of what Florida does this year and what that team looks like. Um, this upcoming season, you know, like there's no gimmies on this schedule. I mean, we we can look and see, okay, what does South Carolina look like? You know, you do get to play them at home; that should be helpful. Um, but you know, I think it's a very manageable schedule, a very favorable schedule. I don't think there is a, I don't think there's a home game on this list that Auburn feels like they can't win. Um, you know, because they will be playing uh with that advantage uh, behind them. And then you know, we'll see what Alabama and Kentucky end up look like. They both have the potential to be two of the best teams in the SEC this year. There's just a lot of turnover on those rosters. Kentucky's still going through a transition. I did see uh, on Monday uh, they picked up one of West Virginia's transfers. This is the first – Kentucky got zero transfers <laughs> through most of this offseason. They get one late here uh, after what happened uh, with the resignation of Bob Huggins and, and the fallout from that. And, and, you know, a lot of guys have gone into the transfer portal late here for, for – uh, um, for West Virginia. So, it's just, you know they're going to be good and young, um, and it'll be interesting to see what Alabama kind of fills that with as well. And Alabama going through their own uh, little bit of uh, late roster turnover uh, with, uh, with, with the news, you know, coming out. I believe that was Sunday night that Javon Quinterly was going into the transfer portal. So, it's just... It'd be interesting. There's there's still some room to kind of shake things a little bit up, but I think we know who is going to be good and and who's going to be the best, or you know who we think is going to be the best in the SEC this year.
2: Things can change, and and that Quinterly thing is interesting because I, I feel like maybe that was playing time driven. I I don't know. Uh, but but Alabama's pretty deep at guard. What that does is I think it removes an insurance policy. Now now it's more important for the remaining Alabama guards, especially the starters, to stay healthy because they don't have Quinterly. To rely on in the backcourt, uh, Justin. I'm curious to know. Uh, you look, looking at this season for Auburn,
0: mm-hmm.
2: um, between Holloway and Donaldson, like where where do you think the split starts, and and where 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 do you think that could go? Because those two guys seem to be battling. I mean, it's a little bit like a battle to be a quarterback with yeah. with those two guys making their respective arguments to be Auburn's point guard this year
0: yeah I think it's going to be determined in the in the fall I think it's going to be a preseason you battle out and see w- what happens I think the good news with both of those guys is that both of them could play the two if you wanted them to I think Aiden's a little on the smaller side but he definitely has the shooting and the offensive ability to be a an off-ball guard to play in a pairing with Trey Donaldson so if if Aiden Holloway is your starting point guard, your your key floor general, or if Trey Donaldson is the other guy, can give you good minutes uh, as well. And I think that's the thing about the depth of this team. You do have Denver Jones, you do have Katie Johnson. Um, you're gonna have some depth at that guard those guard spots, and so. Um, you know, you'll be able to kind of mix and match there. So I wouldn't be surprised if we get, because Hallways a freshman, because Trey's coming into that second season, we usually see those guys take that step. I wouldn't be surprised if, especially early in the year, it's closer to 50-50 in terms of a minute split. Whoever kind of emerges as the guy in non-conference play, we'll see. But I think both of those guys can play really well. It doesn't matter who starts and who comes off the bench or whatever they want to set up. I think both of those guys have what it takes to to play combo guard roles.
2: Were you done with the Auburn schedule stuff? Because because I, I, I did have another Auburn basketball question, but I don't want to completely no. derail this. And, and no, we know, can just... we
0: can get we can get back to we can get back to schedule stuff in a little bit.
2: Okay, cool. So the other question I would I would ask along the vein of that Donaldson versus Holloway thing: Who do you suspect would be the more effective off ball player if they decided to play them together? Mm-hmm. Or do you think? Uh, and and do you think that's a possibility?
0: Is that these two guys? Could be out there as as the one and the two, I think there could be lineups where you see that obviously when you have Denver Jones and Katie Johnson, you don't have to you know play play a guy like that heavy minutes uh it's about, I look at last season and this was something I was kind of playing around with the other day uh on um I believe it was uh yeah c b b analytics and if you look at Trey Donaldson last season uh with Wendell green jr um you know, together when those guys were on the floor together, um, you know, over the course of the season, it it was a really high offensive rating defensively, not as good as you probably would have wanted it to be, uh, if you were Auburn, but offensively, that was just a really, you know, kind of dynamite, uh, type of pairing. Um, just, you know, the, the offensive ratings, the, the offensive analytics when Trey Donaldson played the two with Wendell Green Jr. was really, really high. Um, defensively, that's where the kind of more of the issues work because, as we know, if you take uh, – if you run a lineup with last season, if you ran a lineup with Wendell Green Jr. and Trey Donaldson on the floor at the same time, that means Zep Jasper wasn't on the floor. That means Katie Johnson wasn't on the floor. And those guys are usually analytically your best options defensively. Uh, and, you know, obviously Zepp's got uh, a really good game there. So I think, I, I think you can play it. I think there are going to be lineups – that you can do it. The thing that strikes me as the most interesting about this team this year is I think there's a lot of versatility. Um, unless your name is Jani Broom or Dylan Cardwell, I feel like you can play multiple positions. And we didn't see it. Uh, last season, we saw a little bit of flexibility. Two seasons ago, it was about as rock solid as you could say. Like, Walker Kessler was your three. Wendell Green Jr. was your one. Jabari Smith was your four. Like, you, you, you knew what those guys were going to be. I, I I think there's just so much flexibility this team. Denver Jones can be a two or a three. Uh, those guards we mentioned can be a one or a two. Chaney Johnson can be a three or four. We know that thing with Chris Moore. We know that Jalen Williams can play four or five in certain sets. We know that um, the new guy coming in, Darren Scott, can play. They're looking at him as a four and a five. So, like, uh, you know, um, Chad Baker-Bazaar can play, play multiple positions as well. So, I think there's just going to be a lot more flexibility and – I think when you have a lineup and a roster that isn't just here's your starter, here's your backup, and let's just manage the minutes and the rotations from there, I think when it's a little bit more malleable and a little bit more flexible, um I think you could do some fun things and I think also it could it leads yourself to be like in certain matchups and in certain games, you can kind of tweak, hey, okay, so in this game that the the multi guard lineup you know uh, putting both our point guards on the floor that really that's really really effective against this team or this really really effective against this this type of team do that or you run it's like hey we need to hammer the big guys in this game like i think they're gonna have more flexibility to do that and, and my questions about donaldson and holloway
2: you know they, they come with the disclaimer we holloway is coming in as a true freshman and we'll, we'll see how his game translates and, and what he's able to do in college basketball and donaldson I mean, that's a guy who was a multi-sport athlete for a long time. Now he's just focusing on basketball. And usually year two is big for those kind of guys. And his role has changed dramatically since the season ended, uh, potentially, depending on what happens in in the battle with Holloway. So I I think both of them have the chance to be better than expected this year, depending on if, if, if things line up for them.
0: I think Holloway is such a good catch-and-shoot guy and is a good offensive weapon where you don't have to necessarily make him. He's more of a one in terms of his body size for sure. Um, And I think the thing there, Dan, is like I just said about uh, when they ran Wendell and Trey together last season, the questions come on defense. The questions come on, okay, can your backcourt, when you run two point guards out there, can your backcourt hold up on defense against that? And and it remains to be seen. I think Trey Donaldson has great defensive – um, instincts. I think he's got great, de- like a great defensive DNA to him. As a true freshman, he wasn't a lockdown defender. That's to be expected. You know, you're, you're, you're. It's going to be rare for a true freshman to come in and, and be be the dude's going to put clamps on guys. Aiden Holloway, I think, can be a it can be an effect. Like if it's the thing with those two guys is like if they can just be effective defenders. They don't have to be Zepp. They don't have to be, you know, bigger guys like Alan Flang and Isaac Akora were. Like you don't have to be that if your offense can give if you can give the offense you think that you're going to be able to give, you'll live with the fact that they're not SEC all defensive caliber in the backcourt. It, the question there would be against certain lineups and certain teams, would that backcourt be a little too small, a little too light to kind of hear? and then on top of that also, you don't want to build your you know your backcourt thinking about this first and foremost, but as I wrote recently uh, in the mailbag, the biggest question you're going to have about this team and the biggest question I'll have about this team until we get into the season is, are they going to be able to rebound effectively enough? That was a key problem for them last season in, in the losses. They did not rebound against physical teams, especially ones that crashed the offensive glass well. They struggled. And it's like, no Alan Flanagan. Um, you know, you lose you lose some uh, some some other guys on this team. I Wendell Green Jr. did a good job cleaning up boards for a small guy. Um can you get more defensive rebounding out of, uh, of Jalen Williams? That just hasn't been his bread and butter. He's not a rebounder, as, as an elite rebounder compared to the other things he gives you on offense and defense. You, you just need more of that. And, again, that's where playing a smaller backcourt could be very interesting.
2: And players like Chaney Johnson and Chad Baker-Mazzara, like, it's exciting because they are total rolls of the dice coming from uh, the Division II level or the junior college level. Like I think they could grow into really effective players. They could be effective pl- player players immediately, or, mm-hmm. or or it could take some time for for them to 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 be what Auburn needs them to be. Or maybe it doesn't happen at all. Like all the all the possibilities are on the table. But those
0: are two guys who could help the rebounding effort too. Speaking of Cheney Johnson, um, before we get back to schedule stuff. Uh, did it? Did Did you guys see what KD tweeted uh, on 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 Monday about Cheney Johnson? Uh, Painter, I want your I want your reaction to this because this seems like something that like you like I'm I'm sure you saw across the timeline and and you got excited. Uh,
1: Are you referring to the one? Auburn that says, tweeted Jesus. last week,
0: "Happy birthday to Cheney Johnson."
1: Yes, yes, that one. Okay, yeah. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, but I, I the gist of it was that KD seems to be buying yeah. stock.
0: Yeah, the tweet from KD uh, about Cheney Johnson, and it was funny because he dug, he dug into something from six days earlier <laughs> to quote tweet it. It's like he was like, ah, I'm logging on to Twitter. Hey, look, they're talking about Chaney. Hey, here we go. Uh, Katie's tweet says, Jesus, they don't even know how good you are yet. Um, KD Johnson is not always going to be an Auburn basketball player, and I am going to be very sad when that, hap- that happens uh, because – there is no one more entertaining. I don't think I've ever covered on a basketball court than, than Katie All, it, off the off the court too, and I'm glad. I think uh, uh, you know I, I'm thankful every single day that uh, that Bruce let him have his Twitter account back last year. Last I, year, because that was that that's that's so good. I, I would
2: if I were in the WWE's NIL scouting department, I think Katie Johnson would be like one of the first people in
0: college athletics I call. So people always talk about Dylan and I'm, and, I, and I'm going to say this with Dylan, definitely a guy that is, you know, the emotion and, and, uh, you know, he plays with the crowd is like that. I know a lot of people sit there and think of that and wrestling and all that. And like, I get it. I'm thinking though of like, you know, we talked about it not too long ago, Darion Gobern being part of the, the, the class with, uh, with WWE and um, and how good she's going to be at that role if the, she sticks with it, if that's like something she wants to do long term, I think in a similar vein with KD Dan, you you're going with the athleticism, not the big like you know, strong physical, uh, but not like you know, for a guy like Dylan, it's like it's hard to book a giant, it's hard to book a guy who's six ten. you, you got to be you got to be really really good to be an effective wrestler six ten. A lot easier when you're six one and six two. You can you can really you can really put you know, do a lot of things there. The scope is bigger for a guy like KD. And I don't
2: want to I guess I suppose I have completely derailed a segment about basketball schedules. We'll get, we'll get, if, we'll if, get if back to that. if I'm if I'm going to so I won't I won't do a long monologue about the importance of facial expressions in pro wrestling. But it's a key mm-hmm. thing. Like being able to have an being able to emote in a way where people understand and if you can draw sympathy when you're in pain and you can make people angry when you're angry, like you're just being able to do that non-verbally with, with, with your face and with with body language. And it's something that some people are excellent at immediately. Other people are still working on it decades into an aspiring career. And Katie Johnson seems like someone who just has that gift of being able to just with a look, like drive a crowd crazy in a way that the the best pro wrestlers can do that. You know, at, when, when they're when they're effective, I I, I see I've, from the very beginning. I've seen some of that in Katie Johnson.
0: I think Katie would be great at it, and I think he could cut a promo, and I think he'd ha- he'd be able to kind of have a wide range of offense. He's got the he's got the size, the athleticism to do. You know, you can't. The thing with Dylan is, like, you get a guy like Dylan in the ring, it's like, all right, you have a very limited of what you can do because the ring's not that big, and you are. (laughs) Like, you got to be able to kind of pull that off. And and big guys guys usually are, like, the big, really, really scary guys. uh, Nothing against Dylan. He's a a very large man who could probably rip me in half at any moment. But Dylan uh, Dylan Carwell's not big, scary monster heel more than, like, big, you know – guy that, you know, big big baby face, which there's not a ton of those uh, that are 6'10.
2: I think KD should watch some Suzuki tapes. Like watch some Minoru Suzuki matches and, yeah. and bring and bring that energy to like that that's that's KD Johnson the professional wrestler to me. That's a very specific reference for people who I mean we are we are deep we're deep in the thick of it now I, but I, I did, I, think mailback, Katie, yeah. I did a mailbag.
0: I did a mailbag question a while back uh, when Katie first got on. He's got a lot of Moxley to him as well. Oh. Great facial expressions there. You you think he could scrap brawler type? You know he's going to be able. He's yeah, really there's, a,
2: there's, there's a there's a sense of toughness, even even danger. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. in unscripted in, when, when violence. Katie, yeah, yeah, the intensity yeah. is there. So uh, so yeah, that's uh, that, that's something I would uh I I would I would think maybe, maybe Katie's got a shot. Going back to
0: uh, basketball scheduling here real quick. Um, yeah, like we said, State and Vanderbilt, like, those are two, um, I think those are two draws that you feel like Auburn should be able to bring pretty good crowds to. That'll be helpful for your fans. You get them at home. Um, so, again, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, like you said, Dan, like, we're not expecting Mississippi State and Vanderbilt to be national title contenders this year. Maybe not even SEC title contenders, but – you know, you, you feel like those are two teams that you'd rather play than an Arkansas or a Kentucky or a Tennessee or an Alabama. Like, well, you you do play Alabama twice already, but Arkansas, Kentucky, Tennessee, um, those kind of teams. And then we'll see what uh, what happens with Florida. Like, I, I think Florida could end up being one of those teams as well. And again, you only get them once. What does Missouri look like in another in a, in a second season with Dennis? Like, they they were really impressive last year. Um, but yeah, that is a very manageable, very favorable schedule. I think it could have been a lot could have been a lot tougher for Auburn for sure, although
2: the uh, two teams that Auburn has drawn as home and home opponents, aside from their three rivals, uh, the Mississippi state team and, and, and Vanderbilt, both of them could have had a catastrophic loss in the portal and held on to them, Tolu Smith mm-hmm. deciding to stay for another year, he could have gone pro. we had who was that nice man uh, painter Blake Lovell. Uh, was 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 on the show and and he was very bullish on the season Tolu Smith could have at Mississippi State this year. I want to say and I don't want to put words in Blake's mouth. I want to say he thought Tolu Smith was maybe the favorite for Conference Player of the Year I going mean, into he, this season.
0: He's a walking double double machine, and Tolu's really the only other one besides Jani Broom that you feel like awesome about at the center spot in the SEC this year coming in, just because of how much you lost in the league.
2: And then of course we're from. Oh, I should also mention Chris Jans former Chipola head coach got a got a shout out the Northwest Florida junior colleges whenever I uh whenever I can and for Vanderbilt we talked about Tyron Lawrence a lot this off season and, and Auburn had a really be. good shot at getting him another guy that has a shot at being conference player of the year if if he if he continues his trajectory he was probably the most improved player in the conference yes. this past year as far as what yeah, he was you know, the, from from the season before, if he continues that growth, uh, Tyron Lawrence could be uh, the best player in the SEC this year, or, or have an argument to be among the best players in the SEC this year. And so Auburn's going to see a couple of of excellent players on this schedule. So it's not it's not as though Auburn caught a break, uh, but I I do think that avoiding uh, Tennessee, Arkansas, or A and M twice seems yeah. like uh, seems like it makes the schedule far more manageable. I, I didn't check to see who drew. Tennessee twice or Arkansas twice or anything I can like that, that up, yeah. but I, but I, I'd be interested to know you know who got who got the real raw end of the deal because Auburn, uh, yeah, I, I think those are teams you wouldn't have wanted to see more than once.
0: This is from the SEC's uh, official PDF. Uh, Tennessee plays Alabama twice, which I think already happens every year. Play Kentucky twice. South, ooh, South Carolina got them twice, and A and M got them twice. As well, I think I think so, I think A
2: and M does not play Tennessee twice every year, so I think that's one. That's I think they're sort of the rotation. I think the permanent
0: rivals for Tennessee are Alabama. I want to say Alabama, Kentucky, and Vanderbilt. That sounds right. I think that's a, correct. South Carolina and Texas A and M having to draw. Tennessee twice is not easy. Uh, Kentucky. Kentucky has Florida twice, Arkansas twice, Mississippi State drew them twice. And I don't Vanderbilt think I don't,
2: I don't think Kentucky usually plays Arkansas twice. I think that's a rotational one for yeah. uh, for, for that, and that's a for a Kentucky
0: that's team that's still big. still yeah. piecing the
2: roster together. You, you know, you want to you want the schedule to be as as manageable as possible, and yeah, you, you probably don't want Arkansas twice. That's it. Arkansas and Tennessee, I think, are the two SEC teams that maybe Bama would be on this list too. As far as th- they will be preseason top ten and some folks will think they have a good shot of winning the national championship. I I really think Arkansas is maybe a little more controversial than Tennessee in that regard because Arkansas has got uh, a whole new roster with lots of new pieces. Uh, But those two teams look to be just about as good as anybody coming into this season.
0: Yeah, Kentucky's permanent uh, opponents are Florida, Tennessee, and Vanderbilt. So I'll say this. I'll say this. I don't know if this is, is controversial or anything. I would love to see Kentucky and Arkansas play every single year, twice. Like that, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of bad blood between those two programs for ones that aren't close to each other. But you talk about the, the standard bears of the conference in basketball uh, for decades. You know, obviously Kentucky's Kentucky. But, man, I, you know, I think, I think some folks that may not be as familiar with SEC basketball or college basketball in general Maybe a little bit newer to the to the sport and their fandom because of Auburn's rise. Maybe some of the younger crowd as well. And again, I I don't say that condescendingly at all because it's good to have new fans. You bring in new fans, new eyeballs, all that. That's it's good for the sport. But I do think it gets lost on some folks sometimes just how good uh, from how good Arkansas basketball is. Like when they're really good. Uh, And I know Muss has got them cranked up. Like. Must has got them to the point where like Arkansas like they expect to be in that range. Like they they want to be every single year, want to be one of the top teams in the SEC, a team going to the second week in the NCAA tournament year in and year. Like that's what they feel like their 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 peak is
2: and a destination in the portal, right? Which I don't yes. I don't know if Arkansas football Right is considered no, a destination in the portal for players that They've want to win the national. They've done
0: good World. work. They've done good work, but it's not. It's nowhere near what the basketball but, team is. But players that
2: have their option of national championship contenders go into the portal mm-hmm. in men's basketball and choose Arkansas. Like that. That's sort of something that, and you know, they're they're beating out everyone for some of these kids. And and Musselman's. Uh, I mean, he's playing the portal. You don't know how much of it is other factors. You can imagine it's it's a fallback for every fan base when they lose a, they lose out on a guy in recruiting. Oh, well they got they got the NIL money, you know, we can't compete. But I'd believe it. If you told me Arkansas was operating in men's basketball with a, a different set of resources than a lot of other fan bases and they're able to go in there, but but I don't want to take credit away from Musselman cuz no. he's he's going out there and he's winning these recruiting battles. He's selling this program to to players in the portal, but it's, it's really impressive what he's been able to do and, and, and the, the routinely uh, who he's been able to, to land from the, uh, from, from the portal.
0: I have a seed of a theory here when it comes to Mus, and I'll, I'll throw Calipari in there as well. These guys that in the SEC, and I'm sure there are other ones nationally we could point to like this, but these guys that have the big roster turnover every year, must through the portal and and high school recruiting as well. I mean, you know, they've they've signed some elite players that go pro quickly. Kentucky, obviously, with their elite recruiting classes. What's one thing that Muss and Calipari both have in common? They both were former NBA head coaches, and I wonder if those guys are a lot more comfortable with roster turnover more than maybe some of these traditional college head coaches that want to build a program where you have guys around for two, three, four years. I well. Maybe it's just you get the best players you can and you know that if you stockpile talent, guys aren't going to hang around. Maybe it's just as simple as that. But maybe there's some of it that those guys have been able to kind of build their identities. Obviously, Calipari long-term, Musselman in the, in the relatively short term with what he's done at Arkansas. Because they're used to, like, getting... Rosters, uh when they were head coaches in the league of just like hey this is what the this is what the front office gave you or in the case of the, in the nba those rosters will change in season and so you have to be able to adapt and be on the fly so maybe they're just they're just more naturally um adept to to working with turnover
2: yeah i, I don't know how much of it is from the nba uh necessarily but
0: in it the is case just, maybe it's yeah. a coincidence but i think it is a, it's a fun coincidence if it yeah. is yeah
2: I, you know i i don't want to i don't want to just dismiss the theory because you're right there, there are some similarities Calipari was I mean he, he was doing he's been doing this a while as far as you know being able to navigate a roster that returns very little of last year's team either because they uh, either because they went to the NBA draft or because they left for a lack of playing time or because things didn't work out for another reason uh, but but he's been somebody I mean from those those Memphis teams were loaded with freshmen who, who were or or or, trans- or transfers that were uh, were only going to be short-term solutions but he was able to consistently land players to replace them this year feels like a bit of an anomaly because it seems like kentucky has playing time to offer and uh there's you know they, they've just finished second
0: or third for a lot of the players that they usually get speaking of basketball and this is gonna be an interesting little segue here speaking of basketball Uh, Some news official uh, on Monday had been reported earlier uh, elsewhere heading to the NBA. Jabari Smith, Auburn fans, if you bought a number one Jabari Smith jersey for the Rockets, well, that one's already outdated. The Rockets have given number one to one of their new rookies. uh, And Jabari Smith will be moving to number 10 in the NBA, back to his college number. Guys, we'll talk about some numbers here shortly in the in the football room. But I'm am a big believer in in sports numerology. I feel like if I feel like uh you know if you have a good number, you're 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 well on your way to having a good season. And I'm of the theory that Jabari Smith looks better in ten than he does in one. And I and I think that second that stronger sophomore season is on his way because the big guy wearing wearing a double digit number it just fits better. I think the ten it's balanced. I think he, I think he's gonna have more balance on that jumper with two digits on his back. That's just that's my that's my new theory.
2: Justin, where are you on basketball players having numbers with six, seven, eight? I don't like it. Or or nine in the uh, right. You, like you want you want the referee to be able to signal the number with one hand.
0: Yes, sir. Want, yeah, yeah. We're doing that. I like the college system. I like I like the way it goes. it goes. High school also does that as well. I've always been a been a fan of that. There are some guys that have been able to pull off numbers that are not traditional, that are cool. I think Luca, um, and maybe it's just because European guys come over. I feel like you're fine if you're, if you're a European dude and you play, but like an NBA player wearing the number seven or the number six or number eight, like, eh, I don't know. And I, and I get it. There's some like history, obviously Bill Russell, one of the greatest ever wore number six in his career. And it's now retired by the league. Um, but yeah, it's just I I'm a traditionalist in that in that aspect. I'm, I want I want to see just I want to see the I want to see the one the one hand numbers. I know
2: uh, our test used to wear like our test had 91, 91. for a while. I think he wore 37 uh, the year he won a championship with the Lakers. Like he he would have some some odd numbers for a uh, for, for a basketball player. And of course and of course Rodman. Right, Rod hmm. Rod Rodman, Rodman, Rodman pushed the back. Like when Durant,
0: like when Durant wore seven, I didn't like it nearly as much when he was thirty five. Like thirty five, just uh, it just kind of fits better with him. Uh, I'll throw you a question, Dan. Are you a bigger fan of the of the single zero or the double zero in Ooh. basketball? I, you know, I don't like I don't like
2: them being separate numbers. Okay, I guess I, I'm I'm not a fan. I think, but I think if you wear zero, you should. I mean, I guess you can choose. Um. I guess that the single digit one has always okay. been my thing. I sort of associate the Gilbert Zero, <laughs> yeah, the Agent Zero. I sort of associate double zero with, uh, with 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 football a little bit more, I suppose. Just seeing it on a, but not real like I mascots. Mean, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like you see, you don't see it on a football field, um, but you just sort of imagine it like in the in the the football numbers. But uh, yeah, I, I'm. I, I think it was cool when that was that was presented as an option for uh for and, and I think every team should have a skill position guy wearing 0, right? Like every like every 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 football yeah. team needs to have a a receiver or a running back or somebody out there with the with with the 0 on.
0: All right, so speaking of numbers, we're going to talk about some Auburn football numbers uh here shortly. Before we do that, let's take care of some business. If you like this show and you like more of it, auburnobserver.com sign up. You've got links in the description, there're buttons and the emails all that. You get twice as much of this podcast. Um, so you get not only our early week episodes, but our late week episodes only for subscribers behind the paywall. Have some fun stuff uh, there. You get all the friends of the program episodes uh, throughout the year uh, with Painter and Dan and Pablo, not Dan, sorry, uh, Painter and Pablo and Dave, not Dan, the other D, the other D name on this podcast. Um, you get you get friends of the program with them. You also get all the newsletters. Uh, at AuburnObserver.com that I write, uh, that Painter edits, that sometimes Dan writes as well. Painter sometimes will jump into the mailbags, mailbags uh, analysis. I got a film room coming up uh, this week uh, on a, on a topic that I wanted to dig a little bit deeper into. We've had some fun stuff, some hypotheticals, uh, just good off-season content. We'll keep we keep you occupied. There's something. Pretty much every day of the every weekday at 6 a.m. Central Time, you'll get something from us in, our, in, in your inbox. And if you don't, that usually means that we'll get you two. So, like this week, might not have anything on Thursday. On Friday, we'll give you two things. So, keep that in mind. AuburnObserver.com, $60 a month, or $60 a year to sign up. Yes, Dan.
2: Once a month, you should let me host Friends of the Program, and we can call it Enemies of the Program. And it's just people come on and present like who they're mad at or what they're upset with. And it's like we have a guest <laughs> on, and they, it's just their like they they three things they 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 don't like that people should like should should stop doing or you know you know what I mean. This is, this is just I'm brainstorming here, but yeah. I want uh, yeah I think is... I think Enemies of the Program is, is put that one of the <laughs> put put that one put that one on the list.
0: You can also help us out uh by not giving any uh support to Dan's ideas but you can also uh y- you can help us out with no more money down.
1: Uh painter tell them about it. Rate review, subscribe, five stars, leave a line, leave us a little short review, hit that subscribe button. We do appreciate it. Leave a line about uh enemies of the program. Let's make that happen. Let's let's peer pressure Justin into doing this. <laughs> who's who's your enemy this week? Leave it, leave it in the Leave,
2: leave, leave in the leave in the comments.
0: I will tell you, Dan wanted to do this, and I and I think we're gonna do it here soon. Dan wants to do a, a segment on the podcast, and I think Painter, you need to be looped into this one as well. Where they go back where you two go back to a, a mailbag question I answer and you give your own opinion on it and how you would have answered it better, basically. <laughs> I feel like that's a good idea. I feel like we're gonna, like we we're to gonna do, it. do a we're gonna do a second
2: opinions mailbag segment soon. We'll work that one in. We've we've got we got other stuff on, on the horizon now, but yeah, I think that's that's one that's definitely coming soon.
0: And I have to tell you, homefieldapparel.com is the number one place to buy collegiate apparel, vintage logos. We're talking the softest t-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, joggers that money can buy with your favorite t- yeah, quarter zips now too, um, with your favorite team's logos and usually designs that you, you know, I'll tell you, almost always designs you can't get anywhere else. Um, Homefield continues to knock it out of the park. They're doing these refreshes. Auburn got one uh, a couple months ago at this point, and a month and a half ago, and just killer stuff left and right. We got football, basketball, baseball designs, general Auburn designs, great stuff. I'm wearing Homefield right now. I got a nice, got a nice two lane shirt with the with the surfing pelican on it uh, that I really really enjoy. So I believe in Homefield, and you should too. Homefield dot com, fifteen percent off your your first. Order when you use the promo code Observer at checkout. Also, it's the only place to buy the official Auburn Observer t shirt. So just go to Homefield Apparel, type in Auburn Observer if you like the logo and want it on a, I will say, the most comfortable blue t shirt you're going to buy. Uh, it, is, it is only at Homefield.
2: Even if the only things Homefield Apparel sold were the Auburn Observer merchandise and stuff that featured the sad Yukon dog. Like if, if those if that's all they had, it would still be a fantastic service, right? But they've 100%. got so but they've got so much more for all the fan bases out there. Uh, go to home field, a, a, a great gift as well. If you got a college, yep. uh, if you got a college fan in your life, get them something from home field that's thoughtful and, uh, and and pretty cool.
0: And tell them the observer sent you. All right, boys, let's talk some football numerology. Um, this is uh, courtesy of friend of the program. And, uh, friend of the newsletter, not, never an enemy, uh, Nathan King, uh, at two, four, seven sports. Uh, he went through, he did the, he did the hard work of going through Auburn's updated roster, um, on their website, their football roster and running down the changes that he saw. So check that out at two, four, seven. We're going to talk about the numbers. One thing off the top I wanted to mention, um, this has been reported now, uh, by a couple places and, Lines up with stuff I had heard throughout the offseason, so keep this in mind. Um, in these updates they've had on the roster, there are two Auburn players that have signed with the program that are not on the team yet. They are not on the roster at the moment. Um, this is something that Hugh Freeze talked about, oh, shoot, this was a month ago, a month and a half ago, um, when we were at the water park, uh, the, the conference room at the water park, but mind you, not the actual water park. Um, not on the slide. Some qualifying... Some qualifying issues still needing to be sorted out uh, with Auburn. Freshman wide receiver Dequavius, sorry. And Juco defensive lineman, Quintrail, Jamison, Travis. Currently not on the roster. Those are the two um, that Auburn is still waiting to get some sort of confirmation on. When Freeze first um, talked about it, he said he felt like one of them had a good chance of maybe getting in, and the other one he was not sure what to think about it. Um, So... Auburn might not be able to have everybody on the roster at least by the start of fall camp, so keep that in mind. But this is the new uh, this is the new list of numbers, and here's how we're gonna do this, folks. Because I'm a big believer in numbers, I want you guys to be big believers in numbers as well. I'm gonna say a player, I'm gonna tell them the number, and I want a gut reaction from all three of you. If we feel like if we're vibing with the number for this guy or not. What, what we're thinking? Got to imagine it in your mind's eye, and of course, let's start with the guy everyone wants to talk about. Of course, the quarterback, the new quarterback, transfer Peyton Thorne. Now, Peyton Thorne wore the number ten at Michigan State. Peyton Thorne, though, is wearing number one at Auburn, which has been talked about in the past. What do you think about number one, potential QB one, wearing number one? I think ten's better. Uh, I can see where I can see where one. Where he's gonna look faster wearing one. I'll tell I'll tell you that much.
2: This is the second player in a row where you've said you prefer ten to one. Yeah. on them, right? So I, I, I mean, yeah. maybe it's just a personal preference thing. But I paper. think Pey- Peyton Thorne, you know, as a guy who projects as Auburn's starter based on what he's been able to do, I don't want to end the competition prematurely. But but it does seem like with his body of work, you know, that this is a guy who could be QB one for much of this season. And and yeah, I think it's a uh, it, it's a fitting number uh, for someone who might be in that
1: position. Depending how how we feel about number one for, for a guy like Peyton Thorne? I agree. I think ten is a superior number in most instances, especially if you're a quarterback. But uh, I, you know, it's not it's not like it's a bad. It's, thing. it's not like a bad number. It's not no. like
0: they gave him nineteen or anything like that. I feel like nineteen is the one I can never vibe with. Um, I'll, I'll say this. My feelings about number one are as follows: I need it to be either the smallest player on the team or the biggest player on the team wearing number one. I want to, like it should be either Brian Beti or like Justin Rodgers should be wearing number one. Should, like I, 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 either I want you to be comically oversized for the number, like uh you know like 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 Mon Adams was, uh, or I want I want a speedy scat back or DB to be my number one. I, I, I associate the, it with I, a wide receiver
1: because well, of Devin Aroma should do yeah. it right or wrong. I just,
0: Okay. Okay. I like that.
1: I don't actually yeah, I, know I, how many wide receivers I see wearing the number one though. I get the appeal of
2: you know sort of sort of a, a gimmicky approach to, to zero or one in that regard. But I, sure. I do think that sort of having having the best skill and and receivers wore numbers in the 80s for a long time and people associate numbers in the 80s with receivers too but having the best skill position players on your team wearing low like 0 1 2 3 4 5 numbers like that like i i get it you know what i mean like i get yeah. why you'd why you'd have your your stars out there with with the lowest numbers not that that's an approach that is even you know really considered in football but it's a It'd be it would be a clean way to do things, and it would let us know where uh, where some guys stand on the on the pecking order, and a, a number. I, I mean, Rivaldo Re- didn't change his number, but that's a that's that's a that's a superstar's number, isn't it?
0: Yes. Like Rivaldo like you're saying, like Rivaldo wearing number ten.
2: Yeah, I think that's I think that's that that's right there for part of the maybe part of the reason why one was unavailable for uh, for Peyton Thorne is because you've got. You've you you've got a superstar
0: ready to go. In, well, uh, in, I'll tell you what you know. Who has number no, ten on offense? He switched. He's thirteen, isn't he? Yes. Number ten on offense will be going to Caleb Burton the third. That's right. That's right. Which I think is a good. I think that's a good. One. We're not everyone nodding in agreement. Caleb Burton the Caleb Burton the third. Uh, going back real quick to your point, Painter, about uh, Devin Aroma should do. Uh, underrated part of that O four team that Aroma should do number one. Ben Obamani, who I wrote about earlier this week, number two. I think the only thing that would have been better is if Courtney Taylor would have been number three. However, however, I think we can all agree, eighty-six was a really good number for 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 a wide receiver like Courtney Taylor.
2: And you had you had Anthony Mix uh, with with a uh, with with a low number two, and so so th- there were there were some other fellows out yeah, there. Yeah, Number he, nine, he was, Anthony he was, Mix. He, he was wearing nine out out there as a as a receiver. So uh, certainly you had some. Uh, Silas Daniels,
0: eighty-five, on that team.
2: Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, some some great numbers on the on the skill position players of your. I remember, I think Mike Williams, the the big USC receiver mm-hmm. from decades ago, was rocking was rocking. Because well, cause when he was one and Reggie Bush was five, yeah. right, it was just like, oh boy, like this is you're yeah you're about that, to get it. That's as that's as cool as skill position players can look.
0: Um. Shane Hooks wearing eleven, which I think is a strong wide receiver number, especially a go up and get it possession receiver. I think eleven works. The sticks.
2: I was going to ask you about Shane Hooks because I find myself forgetting him compared to some of the other guys that Auburn has brought
0: in. I think Rather it's the fact he, we haven't seen him yet. Like we yeah. like we haven't got to see him on the on the field. But like that that, that his work his, his his body work speaks for itself. I think. My question
2: was going to be of the of the players Auburn brought in from the portal. Is there someone you, you find yourself forgetting about or that slips your mind when you talk about a position? Because w- looking at the roster earlier today, I remembered Shane Hooks, who, who could be. I mean, Hooks and Burton, and I'm, I'm forgetting there's another receiver that, that Auburn brought in uh, from, from the pool. Jair Shorter. As well, Jair Shorter. Like, By the I mean, way, Jair Shorter wearing number 14, another strong number for a speed receiver. I mean, these guys could take over and get a ton of playing time. And oh yeah, to, for to, sure. And yeah, I mean, I mean, based on what they've been able to do, and uh, yeah, it's just that—that's somebody that I—I I find myself thinking, "Oh man, I, I really haven't given Shane Hooks as as much credit as he probably as he probably deserves as an as an incoming receiver."
0: The one I always forget about, and, I, and no disrespect to him, Lawrence Johnson, the transfer defensive. There's so many of those defensive line transfers, and we've heard a lot about the bigger guys, and we heard about uh, uh, Masai Kite a little bit more. Lawrence Johnson was the one I. I have to, and I'm interested to see what what he does. Here's here's an interesting number for you. Steven sings the 5th, sadly not wearing number 5. Um I feel like that would have been that would have been too easy or 55 would have also been good there. He's wearing 16. However, however, I want to point out Larry Nixon the 3rd, New Auburn linebacker wearing the number 30. So even though we got one digit off with the with the third with the with the 5th not wearing a 5. We do get the third wearing a three, and I like that. I like that. Tougher to put sell an inside linebacker and just wearing a straight up number three. Thirty I think is gonna fit him a fit him a lot better.
2: They should have let Steven Sings wear V as his number. Yeah, they should they should have given him a V as as the number. I don't, I don't know if, if that's bring back Roman uh, numeral jerseys. <laughs> <laughs> yes, which which I only know from movie sequels. But and, and, and WrestleMania's. WrestleManias, Yeah, uh, but it's uh, but, but no, it's yeah, Stephen Sings, another guy that, you know, maybe may and in, in part because it's a smaller school and you know, I, I haven't watched a ton of Liberty football uh, th- these last couple of years. So I'll, I'll admit like he, I'm I'm somewhat unfamiliar with his game. Yeah. Uh, but this is another guy who could step in at a position of need and play a lot if, if things work out.
0: Yeah, it's it's interesting with Steven Sings. I think he's he's got the defensive end, Jack, like he's kind of a slash profile there where you can go back and forth. Didn't have a ton of production at Liberty, um, but uh, you needed bodies there and obviously bodies that are familiar with freeze and the staff. Um I think it was, was pretty helpful there for sure for Steven Sings. Um Jalen McLeod, app state transfer, my guy, my my capital M cup capital G guy of the off season so far. I keep talking myself into how effective I think this dude's going to be, so y'all can get mad at me if he if he doesn't have a monster year. Um, Jalen McLeod, we're in thirty five, smaller edge rusher, thirty five. I talked about how much I like it for Kevin Durant. Let's go for it. I like it. Good number there. Uh, the other transfer, Jaden Muskrat from Tulsa, sixty three. No disrespect to the offensive linemen of the world. All the offensive line numbers just kind of blend together for me. Um, hard for hard for a lot of them to stand out in terms of like what I think looks like the best number for an offensive lineman. So I'm with with Jalen McLeod,
2: I'm interested to see if he's a pass rush specialist that's only brought in on sort of more obvious downs, or if he's someone that Auburn will feel comfortable playing regardless of situation on most of the first three downs. Because there's a lot of possibilities within that jack linebacker, outside linebacker, defensive end. You know, we're we're still waiting to see how the uh you know how how, how those guys are utilized yeah. by, by the new defensive coordinator. Uh but that's another one. You're right with Sings. maybe it's especially at the beginning, it could be more veteran insurance mm-hmm. than a guy coming in to break out and, and have a huge season. Uh but with McLeod, you know I I think if he can be more than just a situational pass rusher, the chance is there for someone like him to have a oh, yeah. a, a, a a big season.
0: For sure. Uh, of the new guys coming in, the the new signees, I, I want to highlight just a couple of them. Um, Jeremiah Cobb taking the two three twenty three. That twenty three is a great running back number. Uh, Painter's giving the thumbs up. That just, seem, that just seems fitting. Hard to think of a hard to think of a, a big play running back wearing twenty three without thinking of the man Ontario Terry Any other twenty three running backs? Uh, uh, twenty three running back. Was it that Ronnie? Yeah, absolutely. I th- I th- yeah, I'm a I moron. He, I'm I a was moron. say Ronnie. Yeah. Ronnie. Ward, Ronnie Ward cut that. Cut that part of me trying to fig- trying to <laughs> <laughs> trying to figure that out. Yes, Ronnie Brown as well. How about that? <laughs> that's a good number, man. That's a that's a that's a setting yourself up. You know, you feel good something enough. about a, about a freshman, a big name freshman coming in, not getting the greatest number in the world. You, you I, I look at it and I'm like, yeah, maybe. But that's just because I'm I'm weird. Twenty three. You give a running back twenty three. I'm like, all right, buddy. All all Isn't freshman that- team. Let's. <laughs> Meanwhile, what's up? Another
2: one of my favorites also wore twenty three, Kenny Irons. Kenny Irons, in, that was the in, other one in, I was trying in, to think in, of. In twenty three as well. Yeah, loved loved Kenny. That's that's been a that's been a good number for
1: Auburn. Twenty three
0: for Jeremiah Cobb. Jeremiah Cobb, you were following in the footsteps of some greats uh over the last twenty years. So that's a it's a good spot to be on Dan, also where wanted...
1: were you when Kenny Irons exploded against LSU, but Auburn could not get a field goal. Oh.
2: Oh. Or all right. yeah, they did get
1: one field goal, I think.
2: I was at a party full of people who were about to go to the Boggy Bayou Mullet Festival in Niceville, Florida, which was later that night. And so we were at a there was a big gathering at a, a buddy's place in Niceville. We were we were home for the weekend for the uh, for the fest, and uh, and yeah, watching watching that with a bunch of people rooting. They like I don't, there weren't LSU fans there, but there were me and a couple other Auburn fans and. So, everybody else at the party was rooting for us to lose just to just to bother the Auburn fans that were in attendance. There were some you know Bam and Florida people and everything like that. It's not like anybody really wanted lSU uh, but yeah they, they were enjoying our misery as, the, uh, as as that game continued. You know Kenny irons, I remember hearing stories about him because people forget. Kenny Irons was on the 0-4 team, mm-hmm. but he was ineligible because he transferred from South Carolina. That was the year he was sitting out. The 0-4 team had Kenny Irons on the practice squad as the running back against that defense. And I would hear stories about Kenny and David. David, I believe, got injured right before the start of the
0: 0-4 season. David got hurt. Yeah, it just went back and double checked David got hurt right before the O four season. Didn't play in the O four season. O five is second team All SEC. Can you imagine throwing a an All SEC another All SEC corner out there? A, another D- on a on a, on that defense. <laughs> like how good that defense was, uh, especially with Carlos. One uh, of the Carlos Rogers, one of the Thorpe that year. Yeah, the O
2: four team almost had David Irons. He got hurt, I believe, during fall practice. Mm-hmm. And then his brother, his brother was ineligible that season because he was transferring over. But Kenny was. I mean, Kenny was opening, uh, Kenny was opening people's eyes, you know, around the program every time he got the ball in practice, and and I don't think people were all that shocked when he when he got the opportunity, and and literally ran with it in the uh,
0: in, in the 2005 season. According to Wikipedia, by the way, Kenny Irons and David Irons brothers, as we know, um, their uncle, uh, two of their uncles played in the NFL, and three of their cousins played in the NFL. You talk about an insanely. Gifted and athletic family, I believe
2: Kenny. Also, if, if if memory serves, Kenny was injured in his first training camp as an NFL player, and never. And that was the end of his career. Like he was a a fairly high draft pick who suffered an injury in training camp with the Bengals. Yep, I tore his he was-
0: tore his ACL on the second in the second quarter, the fourth carry of his first ever preseason game. Um, so and then he, he uh he never got back off the off the pup list after that
2: he was a trendy because i think rudy johnson would would have been there in, in 05 yeah the he, he was the well. second he
0: was the second round pick
2: yeah kenny irons was a trendy sort of this is uh you know for fantasy football people and and just sort of nfl people like this is the running back of the future in cincinnati and it, it didn't end up happening because of that uh yeah that that, that injury he suffered really early in his career i think they're it's it's too bad because Kenny Irons had when he was a when he was healthy, I mean he he had the star quality that few running backs have like he he had mm-hmm. it and uh and and that LSU game in 05, yeah I'm glad you asked me Painter because that's uh, uh that, that was that was a special moment for an Auburn running back.
0: Speaking of which, with the numbers, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett switching to number one as well, so he'll be the number one on defense. Uh, and another flip. Justin Rogers getting number 52 from Wilkie Denod who is now moving to number 40. So I'm sure there was some sort of agreement there, something like that. I think would have been a a good little uh good little trade there. So Justin Rogers getting to wear 52, which is a fantastic big man number uh down the middle. Number one cornerbacks should wear
2: number 1. I like that. I think that if you're the if you're the yeah. ace, if you're the, if you're the number one corner on the team, if you're going to go take down the other team's receiver. And I'm not saying Nehemiah is because dj james yeah, was DJ had outstanding that, yeah. last year and and Kiante scott is more you know mostly going to play inside but Keontae scott would start for a lot of teams in the sec but yeah i think nehemiah uh switching to one m- maybe it, maybe it signifies that, that that he's he's ready to be the uh uh the ace as the uh as you know
0: tanahashi of this uh, of, of this program absolutely on the back end um so there's there's our uh, there's our number talk folks. A lot of numbers, um some some fun little discussions there off of that. Um, we are going to probably wrap it up here shortly. Uh did want to let you guys know though. Coming up this week our uh, our next podcast, premium podcast just for subscribers. Uh Dan and I are going to go head to head in a 2023 Auburn football draft. Those of you who have been inner circle members for a while may remember this. Painter and I have done this in the past, where we take the roster and each of us have to had to build, uh, base not a 2 deep, but build a roster, build build a starting lineup, build a full offense and a full defense. And Dan and I are going to go head to head. We're going to draft back and forth. Uh, Painter going to provide commentary um, and uh, uh, make fun of us uh, and, and whatnot. But that's going to be our podcast on Friday this week. So we will have that on Friday as well as the mailbag. Got a film room coming up on Wednesday. Uh, and, uh, and I'll say it's on Peyton Thorne. You want to check that out. Um, that's coming on Wednesday. Probably won't have anything on Thursday because we'll double up on, on, on Friday. But if you want to subscribe to the observer, $6 a month, $60 a year, it's a good week to sign up because we've got some fun stuff coming up at the end of the week uh, for sure with the film room and the head to head draft I know Dan is already getting prepped and, and ready. He's getting his draft board together. We're gonna go head to head. Should be a whole lot of fun. Uh, and uh, and yeah, Painter and uh, those of you at home, you the fans will uh, determine who wins uh, the draft.
2: Yeah, I want to apologize if there's been some noise in the background as we're we're installing the war room here <laughs> at the uh, at, at, at Peck Enterprises. And so yeah, I'm look, looking looking forward to uh, uh, look, look, looking forward to, uh, to to the draft episode. Should should be a lot of fun.
0: So, yeah, like I said, a lot of fun stuff coming up at the end of the week here at the Observer, Wednesday, and then uh, doubling up on Friday. Um, Guys, I'm going to – on Wednesday during the day, I'm excited. I'm going to a day baseball game uh, for the first time ever on a weekday, going to a day game. Summer, it was something I wanted to do. Braves are playing really, really well right now. Tickets are super cheap. Um, so I'm going to go up on Wednesday and, uh, hang out with, with friend of the newsletter, friend of the program, uh, returning champion multi-times over of the podcast. Me and Jordan Hill are going to watch, watch the Braves play on, on Wednesday. So we're looking forward to that. I, I'm fired up about it. So that's all I got. I just wanted to, I just wanted to say, Hey, go Braves. Um, that's it for me. Oh, mailbag questions. Send in your mailbag questions over the next few days to me, email them to me, tweet them at me. We'll get them. Uh, that'll go up on Friday with the draft episode as well.
1: Final thoughts from Painter. Go, Dan. You know what time it is. What's on tonight? Ooh, what's on tonight?
2: All right. Um. Okay. Uh. Briefly, I want to I want to plug because we we didn't talk about it on today's show, and I don't want to uh, further derail things on today's episode. And I don't plug the drive all the time, but but the Monday edition of the drive had Don Dunn, former Auburn defensive line coach, mm-hmm. and uh, Jimmy Perry, uh, who is was uh, the le- legendary mm-hmm. uh, coach here in the state of Alabama. Both of them came on the show to remember Terry Price, uh, former Auburn defensive ends coach, uh, Texas A&M coach, who, who passed away last week. So I, I hope people uh, check that out because uh, Terry Price was – he was on the staff when I first started covering the team and, and was very nice to me. And
0: I, before, I remember – Before know, my time, but – you know, covering the team and being around the team but i mean universally beloved guy um all across college football not just not just the places where he where he coached but obviously auburn texas a&m those communities um yeah thinking of thinking of uh, his family and his friends in this time because again a great man um by pretty much everybody's accounts um uh passing away last week
2: and some beautiful tributes were written by Texas A&M folks because I, I mean, I, I was aware of how important he was to that program. I guess I didn't realize I, I, I knew he mattered. I didn't realize how important, yeah. you know, just how much they loved him at Texas A&M. Yeah, and, definitely, and all, ch-
0: all, definitely yeah. check out those the drive episodes, the Friday episode, and the Monday episode, like Dan said. Uh, go, go, go! Look those up on the podcast apps uh, if you want to check those out for sure.
2: Yeah, Coach Dunn was Coach Dunn, and, and Coach Perry were both uh, were both wonderful to. Uh, uh, to talk to. I wanted to do that first before I mm-hmm. switch over to because it's going to be it would be a hard segue the other way around. Pretty tough, pretty p- um, tough pivot. I watched Popstar again this weekend, and I don't know if we've talked about it since I joined The Observer, but Popstar Never Stop, Never Stop, Never Stopping. Popstar Never Stop, Never Stopping is the title of the film. Uh, it's lonely island comedy from the mid 2010s. It's a parody of specifically Justin Bieber, Justin Bieber, but I think there's also other uh, conventions of it's, pop music. It's being... very
0: millennial. Walk hard, I think that's. I think that's probably the best way to put it.
2: And I think it's also a response to the concert film or the concert tour yeah. documentary that because you had the. The Michael Jackson, is this it? And there was a there was a Glee one, and I think the Bieber one was probably the most famous one of those. But it is, and it it was not well received in theaters, right? Like I think it was a, a pretty pretty good, but uh, critically pretty,
0: but critically pre- pretty well regarded as one but, of the one of the funniest. I think it's one of the funniest wide release comedies of the past decade
2: yeah not for kids uh no. there's there's some there's some r, you know hard r scenes in the film uh but really funny i mean just just a it abs like it funnier than i would agree funnier than than most studio comedies of of the last few decades i mean it's it's a and new jokes that i notice on mm-hmm. repeat on repeat watches too so a, uh, another another home run from the Lonely Island guys, who of course are also responsible for, uh, partially responsible for. I think you should leave uh, with, uh, with 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 Tim and uh, and Zach on on Netflix. But but yeah, again, Pop Star is one that maybe slipped through the cracks for some people. It's on Hulu right now, and and Pop Star Never Stop Never Stopping is it's it's brief too. I think it's under ninety minutes uh, runtime, and it's just a really really funny movie.
1: A superstar, yeah. a